Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Welcome to the Midnight Film Review Experience, episode seventy-eight. It's not any different than usual. I'm sorry if I got your hopes up. My name's Colin Smith. With me, as always, Brian Stevens. But that's not completely true, Colin. We are coming to you from the future with our our state-of-the-art soundstage and stereo recording technology. <laughs> we do, we have a new mic. Uh, this is just a temporary, though. I want to see how this worked. Yeah. And um, so let us know if we sound better, if uh, I sound uh, sexier. Yeah. More manly. Yeah. Uh, if Colin sounds uh, taller. Uh huh. And or or hairier. Do I sound hairier? <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, yeah. It, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is an exper an experiment, an experimental breakthrough in. Podcasting, audio technology. We're trying to take it to the no, the next level. Uh -huh. We want we want to give all the midnighters out there a view into what we could be. Pretty pretty soon we will be we will be coming at you in simulated eight point one surround, <laughs> and we'll just move around the soundstage periodically for no reason as we talk to you about movies. We're, we're just going to record podcasts while we're driving around in separate cars. Yeah. Yeah. I, why, I mean, we could, we could do things like periodically, like switch, switch audio channels and like put, put you in one, one year and me in the other year. Wouldn't yeah. that be fun? We might do that. Mixing is just, it's, it's, it's stupid. A, it's a brand new world. So we've got a, we've got an exciting show for you today. Um, Excuse me, we're a little bit light on news, but we're going to talk about a few franchises real quick. We're going to mention, we're talking about James Bond, the future of James Bond. We're going to talk about the future of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the future of scripts and writing in Hollywood with maybe another writer strike imminent. I can't wait to become a scab. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, hey, if, if we're ever gonna break into break into Hollywood, it's during a writer's strike. We'll cross that pig line in a heartbeat. Uh, uh, we've got a couple media hot takes, and I'm gonna wrap up today's show with an episode of. Wait, what is there? There's a. Fate, fate. That's what it fate is. Fate and the Furious. Fast and Furious Eight. Fate of the Furious. Fast Furious Eight. Fast. Fury Fasty. It's not as bad as the, what was it, the fourth one? The fourth one that was the Fast and the Furious instead of no. Fast and Furious. Oh. Or maybe that's what it was, Fast and Furious, rather than yeah. Fast and the Furious. I mean, fast and the Furious. Whatever. I, I remember when Too Fast, Too Furious came out, <laughs> and then the parody is Three Fast, Three Furious. <laughs> because it's just great if you follow that naming convention. Um, five Fast, Five Four, Furious. Furious. Yeah, exactly. So, exciting news. Um, I guess I guess MGM and Young Productions are shopping around for a new studio to make a James Bond film. So Sony's contract was up after Spectre. Uh, MGM only distributes films; they don't make films. So they are 
they are looking for a one-film deal. And they've just been going out and getting wined and dined by all the studio wined executives who are interested. Ex- except for Disney, who could give a fuck less. <laughs> because they're too busy yeah. making more money than they can count. And Paramount, who <laughs> is like walking off a razor's edge trying not to go bankrupt. Uh, and the last thing they need is... Uh, yeah, a not profitable bond film, I guess, or <laughs> investing too much money in a bond. I don't know. I don't know it. I mean, maybe this would be good for them. I don't know, but whatever. I mean, everybody's guys. looking for their net, for their own series, but yeah. but see, it's more than that now because people want like extended universes, and so oh, dude, that's my you know that's my biggest fear is like what if something like I, I don't know who has triple X, but like triple X. And there was a crossover event with Triple X and James Bond. Talk about just horror. That's I mean, scary. really, anything like Vin, Vin Diesel just has two films in a row we've seen. He's proved that he does not belong in action films yeah. by A, not being able to understand the tone of the film and act appropriately, and B, by not participating in any action scenes in the action films, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like he doesn't do anything. So you, you, okay? So you said Paramount's out. Sony is obviously out because they're the ones that have them now. I mean, they're not technically out, but well, they're they're in the running again. Yeah. Okay. So, but so there are Warner Brothers. You said Disney's out, so that leaves Warner Brothers and. Universal. So the actually in, the most interesting part, and this is uh, the New York Times actually reported on this, and a couple other news organizations reported, but um, the the most interesting speculation was that Annapurna Productions, uh, who did Her and American Hustle, basically like prestige films, mm-hmm. with, you know, auteur directors. Uh, we're maybe trying to court this film. And, uh, I mean, look, Christian Bale is James Bond. It's right there. <laughs> right. There Do it. Go. Make it happen. It doesn't, need, it doesn't need to be a huge, you know, CGI, you know, eye-popping. I, what, I, what I don't understand is how we went from fucking Casino Royale <laughs> to where, where we are with where we were with Spectre. Like, just one step forward and four steps back is what happened. Right. Well, you know, speaking of writer strikes, so this, this, uh, the second, what, I, what, my mind just went like, what, what, what the hell is that movie called? You had Casino Royale, and then you had Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Quantum of Solace was written <laughs> during the writer strike, and it seems like even with even with Skyfall, which was which I really enjoyed Skyfall, but it, Skyfall was actually uh, a high note in the yeah, franchise. But you relatively so you take you know step forward with Casino Royale, a huge step back with Quantum of Solace, a step in the right direction with Skyfall, and then I felt like he fell off a cliff with Spectre. Yeah, I mean, although there were, I still had big problems with Skyfall, but Quantum of Solace was just a, I think it. it it wasn't like an. It didn't make any damn sense. Yeah, this the script was bad, and it it just came off of. I mean, it, the 
I remember the cinematography being fine, but it yeah, came it off of Casino Royale, you know? So it was hugely disappointing in that respect. And then Skyfall was was better and more interesting, but still massively underutilized Javier. Javier oh, yeah, Javier for sure. Them. And, yeah, anyway. So, well, let's just, let's just skip around and let's talk about this writer's strike because... The last time we had a writer's strike, it was a pretty big deal. It was in uh, 2000, started in 2007. It wasn't revolved until like February, mid-February, late February 2008. And it is very, very possible that another writer's strike will happen at the beginning of next month. Uh, There are negotiations going on right now between the Writers Guild uh, and... WGA, I guess the Writers Guild of America, is that what they are? Yes. And the Alliance in Motion Picture Television Producers, uh, who represent basically Hollywood. Yeah. And really, I, I don't think it... Uh, may, maybe this article, I didn't read it very thoroughly, I, I just skimmed it. But really, this doesn't affect movies that much, where writer strikes really take their toll is on television I mean they they can affect movies it's just it's not as drastic right yeah because you know especially depending on the way your show is shot but for a lot Mm -hmm. of network TV where they're just sort of flying by the seat of their pants it can uh, can be bad news to lose your writing staff halfway through a season uh, what what happened last time is that rather than try and well, you, I mean you can't you know what you can't go from having a team of writers to having no one, right. so they just cut a lot of shows mid season and put put reality TV on yeah, instead. And it was awful. That's pretty much what happened. Uh, yeah, and for movies they they rushed into movies with that with half of scripts and then you had actors and directors finishing scripts. Like in the case of Quantum of Solace where Daniel Craig famously helped write write the script. But don't worry, they brought him back to help write uh, Spectre. Spectre. So, you know, (laughs) fool me once and all that. Uh, Yeah, and I I guess uh, what has happened, which this may sound crazy to you, you know, in living in first world capitalist societies, but... uh, Movie studios and production companies keep making more money, and they're actually paying writers even less. <laughs> so there's been something like, on average, writing staff across the industry has seen like 25% wage depression in the last four years. Uh, you know, And if you're living in L.A. and you're working, writing right, yeah. for a show or writing for a studio and they're making millions of dollars and you're barely part of the middle class... That probably sucks, and they, you know, especially because a good script is so important for anything. Yeah. And clearly, Hollywood does not give a shit <laughs> about. They really don't about writing and writers. Uh, so. I mean, um, I, I think it might have been um, might have been Kevin Smith that said this, uh, but I'm not sure. I don't want to give him attribution because I'm not actually sure but he some somebody along those lines uh, made a statement that 
all great movies started with the idea inside of a writer's head. And when you think of it that way, which is, is true, and I'm partial to writers because I love writing and I, I, I understand the pain it takes to, to write and it's not an easy task. Um, and a lot of times when you write a script, you don't get any say on how it's filmed, what's done with it, um, how it's chopped and cut. That's why we see, we've seen over the last few years, a, a ton of writer directors. Um, and this, this is, this is a, I feel like this is kind of a good thing because it gives these, these people more creative control over their vision and their product. But when it comes to television, that's where writers really make money. And you it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time especially on shows like you kind of hinted towards but like csi and law and order and, and those weekly shows that aren't really serialized where you have to come up with fresh stories that are every single week um and it's uh it's a lot of work and there's a lot of people who are making less and less money living in a, a, a city that it's getting more and more expensive to live in and you mentioned that their healthcare was bankrupt too. It's yeah, their the the guild's healthcare plan is going to be bankrupt another year or two. It sounds like if they don't do something. So uh, yeah, I mean the the other thing is there are more TV shows now. There's more time being spent on production, and basically writers are having to spend longer working on less, mm -hmm. which means, you know, they're spending more time writing episodes. They, right. they have less time to work on multiple projects and less time to secure income. So anyway, writers of, of the world of America, we're pulling for you. You know, we will understand if you strike and I hope, uh, I hope they pay you because it, doesn't really seem like they're interested in paying <laughs> yeah. anybody but themselves right. when you see things like, I you mean, know, the, <laughs> the creators of Spinal Tap right now, you, you know, if, if the, if the talent, if like the on-screen talent <laughs> is having to yeah. fight in court to get residuals and royalty, like the writers are just fucked, you know, yeah. so you do you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do you. Uh, so, let's see, what what else do we have to talk about? This is a weird little thing I'll just mention. Um, Guy Ritchie will be directing the Aladdin live-action remake, and Will Smith is in early talks to voice the genie. Actually, I think Will Smith would be a good could be a good fit for a genie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, apparently, like, Shaq is really upset about it. I'm not, I'm not joking. I mean, Shaq is probably upset about a, a lot of things. He wants to be the genie. I mean, he's trying to trying to bring it back to his his '90s roots, huh? Kazam! Uh, oh, Kazam! Yeah. Sorry, Kazam! Kazam! Remember, Sh is Shazam the film that doesn't exist? Yes, yeah, Shazam. Someday we'll talk yes, about that on yes. the podcast. The film that people have a collective memory of that never happened. Really interesting rabbit hole. I think we might have mentioned it, or anyway, you either, you and I have talked about it. But just Guy Ritchie directing a Disney film. Weird. That right? is, does not sound like a good idea. Uh, <laughs> the guy who made Snatch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So the last little piece of news I wanted to mention is that apparently... You're pregnant. I mean, not not yet. Uh, yeah, not for lack just, of trying. Just wait till we're, this is over. Uh-huh. <laughs> so one of the producers, or maybe the executive producer, I don't know. We'd have to look it up. In an interview with Collider, announced that Fast and Furious 10, Fast 10, will be the last in the franchise. Things will be called Fasten. 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 Yeah. Fasten. Fasten your seatbelts. I don't. I don't believe this, Colin. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I. I'm not calling you a liar. I want to be clear. No. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm. I'm incapable of lying. You know. I, I always forget that. I always forget. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, so we already have the, like, pre-production IMDb pages for 9 and 10, and we know that the actors signed a multi-film contractual deal, so we've known that 10 was coming, but the idea that somehow that's going to be the end of this franchise, uh, I just, so... This movie's made $685 million worldwide in a week. Yeah. Uh sets the international box office record uh, previously held by Star Wars Episode Seven. It's, I, there's no way that they're not going to keep making these films. I just... the If we've learned anything... If Hollywood has decided anything the last five to ten years, it's that they are willing to make any amount of artistic compromise in oh, order yeah. to prof- make profits. You know, that is not even a question. Like, if they can sell out and make money... <laughs> they're, yeah, they're going to sell it's out. It's going to happen. The only question is... But how do you, I mean, how do you sell out a Fast and Furious franchise? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the, uh, the phrasing, right? Okay, yeah, you can't sell out a Fast <laughs> and Furious franchise. But... Can't sell out, already is, sold out. The point is that, you know, it's, it's like AMC and The Walking Dead. They are going yeah. to yeah. keep making that show until it's not profitable anymore. Yeah. And with, just with the way things are, I don't really see any... I mean, as long as it's profitable, they'll keep making films. Um, you know, Universal needs, needs all the money they can get. And this is their... This is it for them. This is their... I think, big franchise. I think that producer should have said Fast and the Furious 10 is my last movie because yeah. maybe he's done but there's no way that they're done. Uh, it, you know, what, I don't know what that means. We can t- we'll maybe touch on it a little bit when we review the, the movie at the end of the podcast. But even if Denzel or Denzel <laughs> we can only yeah, even that's if Denzel, a, yeah. Even if Diesel, Ben Diesel walks away uh that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean... That d- does not mean anything. Honestly, I would be more excited about going to see a Fast and Furious 11 if they killed Dom yeah. in Fast and Furious 10. I would, I would I would, maybe even willingly see that film. Yeah, right. Assuming The Rock and Jason Statham are still in it, but right. we'll get there. Um, There's too many big names attached to this franchise at this point for it to just roll over and, and, and die, so... Yeah, but... Uh, there's no reason that this isn't going to be like Bond. I mean, there's tw- there's twenty million, twenty five Bonds, you know. Uh, it's just people in cars doing stuff. <laughs> that, 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 that's that's what I mean, this that's, is. that's only half the movie at this point. Right. But, uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, what you know? Should we uh, read some emails? I I think so. Let's let's do that. All right. This is a long one. I'll let you read it. All right. So we heard from uh, Adam Adam Etheridge. Uh, he says, "Hello, Midnighters. Sorry it's been so long since I've been in touch. I missed you. We we both missed you." I decided to watch all of ESPN's 30 for 30 documentaries. That's impressive, by the way. Sorry to cut you off, but that's a lot of... Well, he doesn't say he's finished. He just said he's he invested. Okay, he's, fair enough. He's in, in the trenches. Good luck. Uh, and it's taken, taken up much of my spare time. I've also managed to squeeze a few films in here and there. And for the most part, they've paled in comparison to the documentaries. Free Fire was as dull a film about a... Sh- dull as a film about a shootout could be. For a film that get that... T- that talks a lot about what it means to have a soul. Ghost in the <laughs> Shell, ironically, doesn't have one. True. I didn't enjoy Moonlight, Fences, Christine, Man Down, Live by Night, Why Him, or Lion. Get Out was a little disappointing after all the positive reviews. Even John Wick 2 failed to entertain me. I judge how entertaining film is by how many times I look at my watch and how tempted I am to go to the toilet. Over 50% of the films I've seen this year have bored me. Several others have failed to live up to expectations. Am I alone in thinking that 2017 has been incredibly poor in terms of cinema releases? The few bright spots have been Logan, Prevenge, Tony Erdman, A Man Called Over, and The Tower, A Man Called Ove. Ova? Ova? Never heard of that one. Uh, keep up the good work, Adam. P.S. I thought Trainspotting 2, T2, was better than the original, but then again, I wasn't that fussed about the first one. Man, wow. So, Adam, you are, I thought I was a, a pessimist or a skeptic <laughs> here, but you didn't enjoy Moonlight. Surprising. Uh, I mean, Live by Night, you know, apparently you weren't the only one. Uh, I haven't seen Fences, so I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not familiar with Man Down. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that one either. Uh, or, uh, oh, oh, no, definitely not Why Him. Why Him is the Brian Cranston, yeah. Peter Franco. Um, Lion, I haven't seen either, but uh, my uncle, who is bored in a lot of movies, he has ADD, and he actually liked that movie. I hate watching movies with him. It was, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it got it got nominations. It was, yeah. I'm not going to call it an Oscar movie film, but uh, it was critically acclaimed. Christine, I, I wanted to see. Uh, you familiar with Christine? I'm not. It's the story of the, the, the news anchor that killed herself on air in the 70s. Oh, I, I actually, I heard interesting things about that. Um, I can understand Get Out. And maybe even John Wick, uh, if, if your expectations were too high, maybe. Yeah, I... I but, I, yeah, overall, I don't... I mean, I want to see Prevenge. Tony Erdman, I've heard good things about. Um, I've never heard of a man called Of. I, I don't know. I, I see where you're coming from. We've hit a huge dry spell, I think, in the last couple weeks. You're shaking your head now. Last week was Raw. Oh, yeah, Raw. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, what was before that, though? Uh, man, no, something that was not. Yeah, I can't remember either. Ghost of the Shell. So we no, had Ghost of the yet. Shell, Fate of the Fu- Fate of the Furious. I mean, I mean, I feel like it's been a mixed bag. I think last year might have been a little stronger up to this point. We'd have, we'd already seen Green Room, but Logan was fantastic. I thought Get, Get Out was fantastic. You didn't like it so much. I enjoyed John Wick. Uh, Who me? No. What? No. no I'm not, oh, okay. I'm saying saying Adam. He didn't like Get Out so much. Yeah, all right. Um, he says right there, Get Out was a little bit. No, no, I, I'm with you. We're good. Keep keep talking. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm, I guess we're going to have a disagreement, Adam. I, uh, 
I've enjoyed the movies I've seen this year so far. Uh, I will say that the summer, uh, much like last summer, I don't have a lot of hope for. So maybe I'll be wrong about that. Yeah, so let's let's look at the the films we've seen this year from this year. So I think the first true twenty seventeen film we reviewed was almost at the end of January. We saw Split. Enjoyed that. Which you really enjoyed. I I enjoyed. I, you know. It wasn't. I didn't like it as much as you did. Lego Batman, we both enjoyed a lot. Uh, we saw Triple X, which, you know, it was what it was. Well, yeah, which is John, not good. John Wick Chapter 2, which, for the most part, we enjoyed. Uh, Cure for Wellness, massive disappointment. Not good. Get Out, enjoyed very much. Logan, enjoyed very much. Well. Kong Skull Island, very mm. meh. Life, meh. Power Rangers. Mm. I enjoyed it. I mean, there, for what yeah, for what it was worth, uh, Ghost in the Shell. Mm. But then Raw, you know, I so I feel like this has been a pretty strong year so far. Uh, yeah. All things considered. I mean, there, there hasn't been a film that I think is going to be as near and dear to me so far this year as, you know, Green Room, necessarily. But... In general, I, I feel like we've. Yeah, maybe last year was just so bad, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it it, it felt like it, I I feel like we're about we're actually over fifty percent or around fifty percent um, for films that we generally enjoyed, and you know there there were some ones in there that we really enjoyed. No, Logan was one of them. Yeah, I think um, Logan is a is a top ten contender for me. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see, but it was, yeah, uh, Logan. Logan was awesome. Um, I I really you know it's it's not going to be on any lists, but really enjoyed. I thought Lego Batman was a lot yeah. of fun. Get Out um, was way up there for me, and Raw. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Adam, I don't know about, I don't know what to tell you. Um, man. Uh, just, yeah. So, here here are the movies from last year, uh, the, up until April. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, Hail Caesar, Deadpool, The Witch, Triple Nine, Son of Saul, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh well, Son of Saul, I wouldn't count. As, it was yeah, Anomalisa, yeah. kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Batman versus Superman, Eye in the Sky, Hardcore Henry, The Jungle Book, Keanu, and Green Room. Those are the movies in April. Well, maybe all the way to April. Maybe maybe that is sort of a similar similar in quality. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I mean, I would say, hey, you know, we liked the majority of these movies when we saw them. Saw them. I mean, the only movie that I feel like out of the ones I listed that we didn't like, like, uh, or at least enjoy a little bit, was Batman or Superman. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you are right, Adam. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel, I was, I feel more, way more optimistic about this year than I think uh, you do. Yeah, I don't know about that. I oh yeah, then he does. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, really, what happens is we start strong and then we move into the summer months, and it's just a 
abysmal. Yeah. And we wonder what happened. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, Adam. Um, you know, keep listening to us, and hopefully we recommend something that you enjoy. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, enjoy your documentaries. <laughs> yeah, good luck on that. All right. Um, do you want to do this one? You want sure, me? sure. Right. I'll do it. Uh, our good buddy uh, Brian Offord wrote it again. So back-to-back weeks for you, Brian. Good job. Thanks. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, hey, hey, I've said before, I love the show. Thank you. We, we appreciate that. Having said that, oh, <laughs> I also listen to other podcasts, both film and sport related. One thing I've noticed, especially recently, is that a lot of podcasts take commercial breaks. Now, I find this very annoying. I don't mind when some podcasts ask you to donate to Patreon, but the flat out commercial drive me crazy. I know that m- almost every podcast is free and you have to make money somehow, although I'm still not a fan. Just wondering on your opinion and would you ever be a part of it? Keep it up, boys. Thank you for the email, Brian. Yeah. Um, so, so far, no, no company <laughs> has been dumb enough to <laughs> offer to associate their brand with us. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, think we've, so, uh, we don't do this for the money. <laughs> yeah. This, you, is, uh, this is a hobby. I mean, sometimes we talk about that, but yeah, we really, uh, I'm st- I'm just still amazed that anybody listens to us. Really, <laughs> I, I I'm not really sure why we do this. <laughs> it costs us both money, but it especially costs Brian money. Uh, uh, you know, um, there's a lot worse things that can be doing with my time and money. That you know, I I agree with that. That is for most people, that's probably the case. And I get to hang out with you. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't have a lot of free time, and it's good to. This is kind of like our uh, our boys club. <laughs> It, it, yeah, it, it is in a lot of ways, actually, sadly. And it's cathartic. Uh, <laughs> even though, here's the thing. I was thinking about this um, last week, and I, and I started getting a little depressed. And um, I didn't talk to you about this, but I'm like, you know, when I started writing reviews for my little website, and then I, I approached you about the podcast, I was like, I'm just, I, this is fun. And then, like having to go see *Fate of the Furious*, I was—it felt like a job. Like I was dreading seeing the movie. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, this is not something I, I this is not something I want to feel about the podcast. Uh, and <laughs> what was what was I trying to what was I trying to can make you see last year? Uh, the, the freaking *Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles*. Yeah. Movie. Oh and, man. And thank God I still haven't seen that movie. Um, <laughs> but. After I saw the movie, and I, I was like, I feel like I owe it now to our listeners to steer them away from seeing certain movies. Um, and like I said, I get to hang out with you. It's a small price to pay. And honestly, we try to choose movies that we want to see uh, for the most part. And, for the most part. You know. For, and for the most part, we try and see movies that we think you want to know about. Yeah. Which, you know, this we we hear from about the same five people every other <laughs> week. Yeah. Uh, but it se- in general, it seems like people are interested in horror, For from sure. what we can tell. Uh, science science fiction, mm-hmm. dark the darker things we see, not necessarily films like this. Although, Brian, I th- I think you you kind of goaded. Goated uh, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. 
<laughs> last this week. good this this thing into happening. So uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's more than just us talking about movies we like because really, who gives a shit about that? There's <laughs> there's there's a middle ground in there somewhere. You know, we we want to talk about things we like and are interested in, but if we just talked about things we liked all the time, that would be it would end up very irrelevant very quickly, I think. I agree. So we, we kind of have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes. We have to stay with what is current sometimes, you know. I mean, we could easily do a podcast just reviewing old films, and maybe there's an audience for that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, I mean, <laughs> if we were better at our jobs, there probably would be. But yeah. uh, I mean, in, in all honesty, in all honesty, though, Colin, you know, I've seen movies that I probably would have never saw because of the podcast. I would have never saw Power Rangers. And I actually enjoyed that movie a little bit. Yeah. Well, it, it does give us a, does give us a, so far a just, justification um, to like get away from our significant others yeah. and, you know, just uh, hang out every week. So it, it'll probably keep going if, if only for that reason. In the for, foreseeable future, yeah. I, I, I do want to put my foot down and I don't think you're going to push back, but. I want to let our, our, our listeners know, I am not going to see another Transformers movie. I repeat, I am not going to see another Transformers movie. Not going to happen. Sorry. Well, I, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen uh, any but the, maybe the, I guess I've seen the first two. But anyway, back to Brian's point. Um, <laughs> this is weird. So I, I think a lot of people who are plugging their Patreons or which you didn't have as much of a problem with, but, uh, who are actually selling like in hard encoded ads time to sponsors. Those are people who are writers or in entertainment or in journalism or something like that. And their podcast is monetized and it's, you know, important to them for their, you know, how they, put food on the table um and that is clearly not the case for us so i don't think you have anything to worry about my friend we're gonna be uh we keeping it indie for for years to come and you know i just I'm, i want to hedge here a little bit because if somebody came if casper mattress came and said hey we want to give you a 500 dollars to be your sponsor i would sell out in a heartbeat um but one thing that i like is there are certain podcasts um i'm just gonna the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, he has so many commercials, and it makes it really hard and annoying to listen to. Um, there are other podcasts who have one sponsor or two sponsors, and I feel like if you just kind of tip your hand a little bit and say, "I'm going to read you the sponsors now," at the beginning of the episode, I can hit that fast forward button a few times to get through those a lot quicker. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's there's probably I'm sure this has been studied by psychologists. There there's some golden ratio of True. either number of interruptions or amount of advertising time before people get pissed off the least. Like I, I listen to and watch the Jug Life podcast and they have usually like three commercials or four commercials built into an hour long episode. And they're only like five second commercials. Mm-hmm. But the thing that bothers me about that is it's not the, the 
frequency, it's not the duration, it's that they're fucking audio adjusted to be loud as shit. (laughs) So I'll be listening to this podcast and all of a sudden my my freaking speakers are blowing out or my ears are bleeding Mm -hmm. from this advertisement uh, that is just eight decibels louder than (laughs) what I was listening to. But uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll sell out when we're given the opportunity, but luckily that day will never come. So just so you know, Brian, we are podcast listeners to you and I want to avoid, uh, annoying our, our listeners as much as possible because I, I feel your pain, man. You want to let them know how they can email us? Yeah, and you should email us at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Send us a, send us your thoughts. What, what do you think about the the film landscape so far this year? Have, have you been disappointed like Adam has been? Or are you somewhere in the middle like us? Uh, uh, what do you think? What, what, did you see Fast Fast and Furious 8? Fate of the Furious? Fate, Why? Fate what did you think? Every time I ask I ask you guys to write in and like tell me what you thought about a film, that never really happens. So uh, <laughs> like Ghost in the Shell, like people like anybody who was they liked the original Ghost in the Shell, write in, tell me what you thought about this film and crickets. Because so, we have five listeners. We, I mean, really, there is a strong chance we have five listeners. We got totally off topic. We got a we got a big spike of um, traffic, and it's it's probably just one person downloading all our archived episodes. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, so many things are happening. And it's probably just one, only one guy. It's our biggest day ever. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. dude. Thanks, whoever you are. Yeah, midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Write us. We will read it live, recorded on the air, and you will feel so special, and we will feel special. And we'll be right back with Media Hot Takes. And we're back with Media Hot Takes. Possum free. Yeah. That, yeah. Thank God. I couldn't handle the possum anymore. I had enough of possum. I, we had to take the possum to the vet column. Yeah, the, the possum vet? Yeah. The, the, farm, the her, farm vet? Her, her vertebrae was out of place. Wait, really? Yeah. No. Really? It's... Is she any less, any less irritating now? Nope. Just as just, she got muscle relaxers, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even phase her. So yeah, need to up the dosage. Yeah, to, to the whole bottle. Ah, <laughs> uh, good thing your wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> uh, do you want me to go first? No, I'll I'll go ahead and go first. Right, sure. So. I watched this a couple weeks ago and wanted to talk about it and totally forgot. And I don't really have any excuse, but now is as good a time as ever. So... Adam mentioned it. Yeah, Adam mentioned it and and jogged my memory. Tower is a very unique film from 2016. And actually I heard about it a lot on, I think, NPR before it were was released or maybe while it was doing the film festival circuit um you know it it got a lot of publicity at south by southwest but it is a it is a hybrid sort of film it's it's sort of a documentary um but it's about the university of texas clock tower shooting in 1966 and they take interviews and the stories of people who are there. 
and they animate it, uh, and there are actors performing, um, relating these stories as if it, it's all happening in real time. And as you watch the film, that sort of gives way to the actual people that experience these things and actual recorded interviews with them. Uh, so you kind of are with them in the moment of this horrific thing, and then you kind of catch up with them now. Uh, and it, that, it kind of sounds strange when I describe it like that, but it is, it is a fascinating and beautifully constructed film. Um, it, it's really closer to a documentary than anything else, but it's a, a unique way to approach documentary filmmaking. And I was, I was skeptical hearing about the film, but the animation is beautiful, and you really feel like it, it really does something to transport you to this time and place. And there is, you know, archival footage kind of interdispersed in there, um, but it, it, is a, it is a very interesting and very moving story. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, um, it it's really the, the first kind of mass shooting or school shooting in modern American history. Uh, 16 people were killed. And we, didn't, we really didn't talk about it for a long time. Um, there was no... There was really no public consciousness of this sort of thing being, or for an outlet for people to deal with it or coalesce their experiences. And there wasn't even a memorial for the shooting until this movie was made and wow. actually put the survivors kind of back in touch. And uh, they worked with the filmmakers uh, and the university to actually build a memorial and kind of start the conversation again. So I think it's, I believe it's on Netflix. I think that's where I found it. Uh, and it's, it's short, only a little over an hour and a half long. If you like documentaries or you like novel filmmaking or animation, definitely check it out. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And that's Tower. Um, so the only reason I'm familiar with this is the, have you ever seen The Deadly Tower, which is based on the story uh, with Kurt Russell and Ned Beatty? Um, no, but I do love me some Kurt Russell. He plays the sniper, Charles Whitman, and uh, it's not a great movie. Uh, but the tension is unparalleled uh, because you know that this really happened and the stakes are so high and I, I Kurt Russell's performance is really interesting because you have a lot of sympathy for this this guy who feels that he has to do this horrific thing and he obviously doesn't um, I don't think that it got reviewed very well but I it was a TV movie, I think, is was, was the main problem. It came out in '75. Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to watch that documentary because I find I found that um, that movie. I remember growing up watching it. Um, yeah, so Tara, check it out. So I've been watching a lot of stuff, and I wanted I've been wanting to talk about this for for a while. And I kept forgetting too, um, but I've been watching the excuse me, a sci-fi original series, Expanse. And it's weird because sci-fi, I kind of just had written off anything that they were making, but um, 
I think you had mentioned um, Stargate. Uh, isn't Stargate their one yeah, of their series? Yeah, no, it's it's their they own the the rights to it. Um, but yeah, but that that's that's from back in the day. Yeah, right. Um, and I was so I had heard on another podcast how this year this the second season of Expanse was really really good, and I'm like, well, I want to start with the first. Obviously, I'm not going to just jump into the series and. It's been kind of a slog the first season, and that's what I heard. Like, it's got its ups and downs. So this series stars Stephen Strait. You'll recognize him. Um, he's been in a few things, but you probably never heard of his name. Uh, Thomas Jane uh, was probably the most famous name. They play characters that really are on two separate sides of the same story. Um, Thomas Jane is a detective works for a police force, and Stephen Strait is a member of a shoe, of a shoe, of a crew, uh, and they hear a beacon in space, and they go to check on it, and uh, their ship gets blown up, and they are kind of lost in space for most of the season, trying to get back to civilization. And so basically the story is, there are three different colonies in space at this point. We've colonized Mars, and uh, they are... The people who live on Mars are not happy with Earth. And then there's the Belters, people who mine the uh, asteroid belt for precious minerals and things that help both Mars and the Earth um, live. And these three factions are at an uneasy truce the Earth is seen as this um, self-righteous evil entity who abuses the Belters and takes for granted uh, Mars. And uh, Mars kind of feels betrayed because they were left uh, kind of to their own devices on this godforsaken planet. And the thing that is so shocking about this series, Colin, is how good it looks. So, I was expecting really bad CGI, and there is some bad CGI, but for the most part, the technology looks terrific, the set pieces are phenomenal, and any time somebody puts on a space suit and goes into space, I kind of hold my breath, and it feels somewhat realistic. There was uh, an episode I just watched where a character is kind of floating in space, uh, and it was shot terrific. Yeah. Well, don't forget that we, Sci-Fi brought us Battlestar, too. Oh, that's correct, yeah. Which was another gem. So, it, you know, they've, they've had their moments in the past, but not, yeah. Yeah, I kind of forgot that they did that. I don't know who, I don't know why I forgot about that they were behind that. So, but anyways, yeah, so Expanse, I, I would recommend it, and from what I understand, season two gets even better. They just uh, had the season finale last week of season two, uh, and it got, the, the, it got much better reviews than the first season. You know, if, I, if you just go down uh, the list, it was like a 60 on Metacritic, 65 maybe, and this year it was uh, high 70s. So, um, I, if you love mystery and sci-fi tangled together I would recommend it so check out The Expanse alright well I think that's going to do it for 
media hot takes. And we'll be right back with a, a fast review of Furious Fast 8, 8 Fast Furious, Fate is Fear Fast. We'll be right back. And we're back with a spoiler-free review of Fate of the Furious, Fast and Furious 8, <laughs> Thousand Horsepower. <laughs> no, it's 2,000. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, so this is a, <laughs> I mean, do we, do we have to, uh, should we do a, a synopsis? Ah. Uh, here, oh, I, here we go. I like this. I like IMDb. When a mysterious woman <laughs> seduces Dom into the world of terrorism and a betrayal of those closest to him, the crew face trials that were tested as never before. That is partially true. In a world. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... We have... <laughs> we have, you know, all the usual suspects, plus a few more. Vin Diesel is Dom. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez as Letty, Tyrese Gibson is back as Roman, uh, Jason Satham as Deckard, who I don't think is, well, and Dwayne Johnson as Hobbs, uh, Kurt Russell as Mr. Nobody, Mr. Nobody, and introducing Charlize Theron yeah. as Cypher, and Scott Eastwood as Will Nobody, yeah. Little, little no, oh man, that was his freaking build name, little nobody, little clever. Nobody. It's clever, Colin. It's bad. I mean, you think Kurt Russell's gonna get out? That would be a shame. I agree, but he was uh, he wasn't utilizing this very well, anyways. This this at least this ed, uh, edition of. Well, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I would like to have seen more of him. Okay, but there, that's right, only yeah. because I love Kurt yeah. Russell. I don't, you know, he's still enjoyed. Anyway, uh, you know, so we also had Ramsey, Natalie Emanuel, Nathalie Emanuel. Uh, I don't, I don't know these movies, so but she that was a character that yeah was there last before episode. clearly or last season last, last season last why, time. why is that Fast and Furious last year because it was last year or was probably it? whenever twenty sixteen I think uh, Chris Ludacris Bridges as Tej Parker. Uh, yeah. Tej, that's an interesting name. Uh, who, who directed this, this... F. Gary Gray. Oh, yeah, F, that's right, because his name is a weird Gary Gray. You know, the guy that brought us the beloved and, uh, Oscar-nominated Straight Outta Compton from two years ago. You know, the guy who, who has done some really good work makes this movie somehow? I don't... Yeah, uh, I mean, well, he's... All right, to be fair, he has directed some really interesting things. I mean, he directed Friday. Yes. Uh, like Set It Off, The Negotiator. Uh, let's see, what else? The, but then he's directed things like The Italian Job uh, and A Man Apart with Vin Diesel, which I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and Be Cool. And Be Cool. I love Be Cool, by the way. Law-abiding citizen, which is a weird revenge film. It is, uh, that is a weird movie. Yeah, uh, strange and totally uh, 
<laughs> uncomfortable and inconsistent film. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's had a mixed career, but definitely it seems like more good films than bad, pretty much. Even his bad films are pretty good. Like, Be Cool isn't a good movie, but I enjoyed that movie. Or, yeah, I mean, he's a mixed bag, but he's definitely directed good films before. I mean, uh, Negotiator uh, was a good film, decent film. Friday's a freaking classic. I don't care how it reviewed. It's yeah. awesome. Um, Set it off as a decent movie, too. Yeah, so, uh, it's Gary Gray weird. I, I just assumed that, like, the same person had been directing these films since forever. No, th- this, so, uh, this franchise has had several directors, and it's, they, they've been really weird. So, uh, I'm trying to remember the first director. I'm trying to go back to it real fast, because I can't remember the director of the first, of the first one. Um, James Wan directed yeah, the last one. Yeah, James, oh, what the hell? James Wan um, was like they, they Justin Lin. Justin Lin, yeah. Rob Cohen, uh, which we have talked. We've talked about Rob Cohen before. Uh, so Rob Cohen, in early in his career, um, after he did some TV, did things like uh, Dragonheart, Skulls, Triple X. Fast and the Furious, Stealth, some really bad movies. Uh, but then the the franchise took a weird turn, and Jeremy, uh, Justin Lin and James Wan got involved and kind of turned the tide, and then, of course, they brought in F. Gary Gray for this uh, edition. Uh, this, Selma, you've probably read the main things about this series, and um, I'm going to go off on a little bit of tangent here. But, because I've seen all these movies. Have you seen, you haven't seen them all. Oh, God, no. no. I've seen all these movies. And the thing is, I didn't like the first one. So I, the first, so basically, you've seen the first one, though. Yo, I, I've seen the first one, but this is not really, the first one is, like. It's point Break. Yeah. It's but, a, a, bad, a movie about some robbers who use cars to rob things. They still, they still DVD players. And so, yeah. yes. This is, it, no, yeah, has, I don't, I, we, some things happen between that and this film. Uh, I'll just uh, I'll leave it at that, I guess. It's a, it's a really weird... Tra- it, like, if you look at the trajectory of these movies, the, the, the first one was kind of a rip-off of, um, of Point Break. And then you have this... The second, which almost was a straight-to-DVD movie... Because Vin Diesel backed out and Paul Walker wasn't big enough star yet, they released it and made a little bit of money, and then they did some other stuff, and then it was just kind of mediocre for for two films, and then they made Fast Five, which is by all regards the best in the series, but now we're at a whole other point, Colin, because this is the series not about. Family, as Vin Diesel likes to say, this isn't a series about uh, really even about cars. Cars are just a vehicle <laughs> to get us to a point. It's about international saving the world, and I've mentioned this before. This is like a superhero movie. Like these, like they turned these characters into somewhat superheroes. I mean, some of the stuff they do in this movie. 
is not only impossible, but ridiculous. And all that would be fine. I don't really have a problem with that. It's just the main character, Dom, played by Vin Diesel, is boring. The character is boring. He's not charismatic. His performance is stilted. I enjoyed half of this film. Yeah, so the the, <laughs> the the makeup of these films has changed a lot, just as far as casting. And the problem of this film is the the character with the most history, arguably, which is Dom, Dominic Toretto, is played by the actor with the least amount of charisma <laughs> on screen. And... You can probably tell by the synopsis or if you've seen trailers, he's separated from the rest of the cast for almost the entire film. Yeah. And it doesn't really do any favors for the, for this film. So and I was not looking forward to seeing this. Uh, also, I got trolled by Google. So <laughs> yeah, you did. The, when I looked up the runtime on the... When I looked at this film on Google, it told me the runtime was two hours and 40 minutes long. And I, I, I cried a little bit. I just went in the shower and I, I turned on the hot water and I just sat down in the fetal position and I cried. You made me two, dread this movie even more when you told me that. Two hours and 40 minutes. And it, it turns out it was really only like two hours and 10 minutes long. So I don't know what the hell that was about. A little over two hours, it seemed like. Uh, the runtime says two hours 16. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, yeah. Still too um, This, you know, it was, this movie was exactly what I thought and it wasn't what I thought at the same time. Uh, it is ridiculous, it's over the top, it's absurd, it's silly, but sometimes it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And the times where it's fun to watch are the times where Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, and Charlize Theron are not on screen. Yes, uh, pretty much, yeah. There, there are there are some really good things about this film. Um, Jason Statham, The Rock, Tyrese, uh, Ludacris, Kurt Russell—they all know what film they're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, their performances are fun, are interesting. Uh, they're charismatic. They're the lines, the the dialogue is written, and it suits the characters they're playing. Uh, and I really liked those parts of the movies, you yeah. know, the, <laughs> it, even like the, the, the choreography for those characters is better. You know, it just, it's, it's, it's such a strange film, but then you have, you have entire blocks of the film that are just overly dramatic and overly serious and I don't know if it's because I don't have an investment in the characters but I just was bored and did not care and not only that was not entertained um, you know and this this movie is it's it's nonsensical which is fine but it gets repetitive and you're not really sure where it's going uh, which you know and <laughs> It just, it feels like they are just, they are desperately trying to find ways to involve cars and they (laughs) just sort of shoehorn them in when it doesn't make any sense. And this is just a sort of like a, 
a heist team up superhero squad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not re- it doesn't really have anything to do with cars or driving fast. And the, <laughs> there's there's not there's not any context for cars or driving fast in the in the film. There's one race scene at the very beginning. That's it. Yeah, so... A movie that was... Or a franchise that was started about street racing. Yeah. As one scene of yeah. street racing. Um, for, for absolutely no reason. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't as miserable as I thought I was going to be. And Same. just props to Jason Statham and The Rock for making this film watchable. Uh, but I'm not going to recommend this film to anybody. This is... Here's what kills me about this film. You knew whether you were going to see it when it was announced. Right, yeah. Our our review, the trailers, no. none of that has any impact on whether or not you are going to go see this film. You're exactly correct. Uh, you're going to go see this because you want to go see it, or you know, maybe because your friends are dragging you and you're like, why the hell not? But there's nobody on the fence about you know, waiting, waiting yeah. for this, re- waiting for us to review it. So I'd be like, oh man, I don't know. Is it, it going to be worth the money? Um, it's, no, you're right. Yeah, it's, so, it, I, it probably had more going for it than the return of Xander Cage. Oh, for sure. You know, so there was less Vin Diesel and therefore it was more enjoyable. You know, I, if you remember a couple months ago, maybe longer, I had, we had this thing where, I, I don't know, somebody wrote in, or, or was it Will? Somebody wrote in, or maybe I brought it up, I can't remember. Rock versus Vin Diesel, like, who is, like... I think you, yeah, I don't know. You brought it up, maybe? After seeing this movie, it's clear that The Rock is everything. Yeah. And... I, <laughs> I always wonder if Vin Diesel is has, like, two bad knees or something, or, like, severe arthritis, uh... He doesn't run. He doesn't move quickly ever. There, he he has no. There are no physical scenes with him in this movie, or in the last, or in Triple X. <laughs> yeah. Triple X is it's just some weird. guy with bad makeup on, like pretending to be him. Yeah, you know, in all his action scenes, like that's clearly not Vin Diesel. That's some guy wearing a skull cap. Yeah, there, there's no. It's it almost feels bizarre. There's no action choreography with Vin Diesel's character. In the film, more or less, more yeah, or less. There's, there's not. There's he, there's there's. I mean, don't. No, I'm saying to, there's yeah. there's very little. There's very little of him not in a car or on a plane. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, so I wonder, like, yeah. It just it makes me wonder what's going on. Like he's just because Jason Statham and The Rock, you know, have been playing martial roles their entire careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jason Statham is, you know, like, he, he just looks, he looks comfortable. And he's, he is good at fight yeah. choreography. He's good at it. Very good. The timing is good. He's fast. He understands how to position his body relative mm-hmm. to the camera. Uh, he knows how to work with the stunt guys. And The Rock is n- not the same, but he knows how to make use of his physicality and his presence. And the choreographers did a great job making making the fight scenes tailored to how we perceive them. Yeah. Uh, 
with the rock just being this brute. Yeah, the, I mean, one of the one of the best scenes in the movie is the prison riot scene, which yes. you've seen in trailers. It like I wish the entire movie was like that because that was so much fun. I thoroughly enjoyed that scene. Yeah, but but, then, it, but it can't be because it can't be because it has to devote so much time to Vin Diesel and cars. Like and it cars. has to be about cars. So yeah, it, really, this movie just made me want an action film <laughs> with The Rock. And with Jason yeah. Statham, that's I what agree. I want. Uh, yeah. But you know, the, and the, uh, I feel like the supporting cast did the ones I mentioned did a good job. You know, Ludacris is funny, and Tyrese is the the great does a great job as comic relief mm-hmm. in this film. Uh, and everybody else is just dead weight, and the, the script doesn't do anyone any favors. So, you know, don't see this film, but. You probably already did, or you're going to, yeah, regardless. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think that the uh, the only other thing I would say in that is Shirley Theron is severely wasted in this movie. Uh, they there is a trope that's quickly becoming tired, and that's the hacker. And I get why I, I get it, but you. But there's no, there's a scene of her hacking, and it's whatever. It, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to go into it too much. We'll talk maybe about it in spoilers. But there's a scene of her hacking, and it's just, they do the best they can on screen, but there's nothing that kills a movie more than having somebody sit behind a keyboard and type. Well, just, and there's, I feel like there's less room for. That that trope where like hacking is something you do like by typing in real time, you know? I, I feel like people have a better understanding of that does that's not really doesn't have anything to do with hacking, or hacking doesn't look like that. Uh and they they do this weird like so at one point they say something about like talk about using zero-day exploits. Like, mm-hmm. you have this term that is pulled from, you know, like, the real world, but then, you know, when when people are hacking, they're, they're like, there's, like, hacker battles, like, <laughs> hacking hacking back and forth. Like, who can out-hack yeah. the other person? Right, yeah. Like, and the, the what, other, how, what do you... Uh, the just, other thing is, like, when you have that... You have to talk through it. Oh, you're going to do this? Well, I'm going to do this. And it's just, it's exposition. She's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she's blocking my, my my move. And it's like, just stop. And But this ha- this isn't the only movie that does this. I'm just, this just pops in my head. And it's like, I, I get that this is the world we live in. And there's actually a very a very cool action scene where they hack into, a, into cars, navigation systems. And I, I mean... This is something that people have warned about or been fearful of happening, you know. You know, we, uh, you hear all the time, that, oh, our cars can be hacked. And they utilize that idea for one of the best action scenes in the movie, I feel like. Um, but it's just, I don't find her threatening as a villain. 
And, I mean, she, it's like, I don't know. I don't understand. The the writing for her character is just awful. Her motivations are unclear. Her goals are unclear. Yeah, uh, yeah. both of them have no idea what she's trying to do. And they don't even make a pretense of it making any sense. Because I don't think they know. I don't think they knew. Or that their audience, they know their audience doesn't really care. And and they also, she's apparently going to be in the next two but her character is fucking nonsense like there's nothing she does accomplishes anything or seems meant to accomplish anything uh, except make the the events of the movie happen sort of yeah pretty much I mean yeah like she she gives her vague terrorist manifesto speech and just sort of doesn't make any sense and then she's her characterization is super inconsistent like is she like a sociopath or I don't know whatever it's she yeah she's totally wasted and her character is ridiculous and boring and not and her performance not frightening her performance isn't isn't good either she doesn't get she doesn't try no um you want to go to spoilers I guess alright I just want to be done okay we have we can do 10 minutes of spoilers yeah we'll be right back with somehow spoilers for Fate of the Furious, whatever that means. What, honey? Wow. Are you kidding really? me? You just ruin it every oh, time. Uh, I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? Yeah, so <laughs> I, I was talking with somebody uh, walking out of the gym today who, just like my little brother, my little brother ironically loves the Fast and Furious franchise. There are people out there that there are people out there. And yes. I would I would love for that to be the case, but Vin Diesel fucking ruins it. Yeah, they, that, I agree. The first the entire first scene of the movie it's so is bad. Fucking it's unwatchable. So bad. It's so bad. His dialogue is the is horrible. He I mean it's just it's the most pompous, smarmy, douchey, cocky awful dialogue uh, that he does not back up at all, you know? It's so stupid. Toretto's, Toretto's keep their word. Oh my god. It just, it's not only that the dialogue is bad, it's his deliverance of the di- of the dialogue because he's so serious. It's like, everybody else in the movie kind of knows what movie they're in and he is just so overly serious. Yeah, well, his, either his character is smug or his character is sort of angry and threatening. Yeah. And that those are like the only two... That's his range right there. It's, it's like a toggle switch. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez isn't good in this movie either. No, and she... I mean, here's the thing, though, is she... Her character has the most at stake in this movie. Yeah. Her husband, the person that she loves... Yeah. You know... Left her and is, like, making out with another chick in front of her and is... Like, and you just, but she never once, like, questions his loyalty. It, it's like, she's mad at the chick. And it's like, but she doesn't know what's going on. It, it, it just, it, it well, doesn't make what, And when he sees her, like, why doesn't he just say, like, like, they have my son or something like that, you know? Yeah. What? Well, solve the problem. Well, here, here's the other thing. Uh, so, he was able to get... To, he was able to get to Helen Mirren and f- fake Deckard's death, but he couldn't get word out yeah, to his own wife. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. Also, Helen Mirren was in this movie. What the fuck. <laughs> that was so surprising. How big is the fucking payroll? It's unbelievable. When you it's a billion dollar franchise, which blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, think about that. I don't. I don't want to. Th- I don't want to think about that. The fate of the, the, the Furious franchise is just as big worldwide as Star Wars. Yep. It's insane. Yeah. And it almost makes sense when The Rock and Jason Statham <laughs> yeah, are in the yeah, film. Yeah. But then the rest of it is just fucking horseshit. It's, it's so bad. It's so bad. That Like the, the, the scene where they, they just come in for no reason... Oh, and the whole, that whole thing, like, that whole GUI hacking thing, like, <laughs> they're using this reverse burst frequency scatter relay, and we're gonna, we're gonna backtrace it, and they're I, outside the building, like, what? <laughs> what? what? And it's like they, they heard him say that, because yeah. the minute they say that, they bust through the doors. Just to steal this program that exists on a single hard drive you know like it's just it's just so fucking stupid it's just so stupid but then what I anyway the, I wasn't even going to talk about that I, the, the line of dialogue where Letty goes how could you turn your back on family I was thinking like in this in the scene there'll be more context and her delivery won't look so ridiculous and awful you were wrong and I was so wrong it's just as stupid and over the top in the actual film like yeah god I mean I don't dislike Michelle Rodriguez either no and I she has been in like better films before Girl Fight is an excellent movie she was better in Lost than she is yeah Lost yeah just what the what the what the fuck man um yeah wow uh yeah, I, I don't know. It, the, the other I can't remember the specific dialogue, but um, Shirley Steren says to him, "You say you like to live your mi- your life a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Imagine living it like that all the time, or something along those lines." And I'm just like, "That's your pitch to him? You 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 kidnapped his his child that he didn't know about." And threw his ex-lover in a glass prison. And you think by telling him you can live wildly whenever you want? It's like, and how do you know that he says, like, is that, I I mean, I yes, I've heard him say that in the first one. Is that a catchphrase he says all the time? I don't think it is. I, I, don't, I mean, I know that that's a catchphrase within the context of the movie. But to bring it up at that moment in time, it just it was so weird. And then, like, you have this baby and it's... It's like, you know they're not going to kill the baby, obviously. But you know they're going to kill the baby's mother. Because he's not going to have shared parenting with this other woman in future movies. So, and there's never a moment when he tells Letty about the kid. It's just, it's so bizarre. And and why are you introducing a child into this franchise? Why couldn't they just kidnap Letty? Just, I mean, just the MacGuffin. Because, yeah, I mean, right? What does what, what does Dominic Toretto bring to the fucking table anyway? What does he <laughs> yeah. What does he do that somebody else couldn't do for her? She has him. So is, is stealing the football? What? Is, what's the first thing she has? Cipher has Dom do. 
uh, still the, the EMP, but they well, she actually uh, can. So they okay, she, yeah. He betrays the team to get the EMP. Yeah. So that part is actually there's context for that in the writing. Okay, mm-hmm. you need somebody on the inside. That's that's the easiest way to get the EMP. After that, put a bullet in his brain and leave him. Yeah. Because he is literally useless. Yeah. In fact, he's he's a liability. A huge liability. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but he's Dominic Toretto's the best at doing everything, I guess. So And he really doesn't do anything to save the world in this either. Because everything everything that's done the, everything that's causing them harm is his fault. He's putting them in this this position. Jason Statham saves his son. He doesn't save his son. Which is that? By the way, that scene is one of the best scenes. Well, yeah, I was like, man, somebody watched Hard Boiled. Yes, yes. It, <laughs> uh, but it's still it's still enjoyable because of the baby it's great. and Jason. Because Jason Statham is it's awesome. Great. Yeah, because he is he is our last one of two of our last action heroes. Um, no, he so his character puts the tracking device so they can find the plane, so they can find Cypher, okay, right? Enough, yeah. That's you know, whatever. It, anyway, it just. Uh, yeah, man, bad. The the line about the car, like they must have two th- two thousand horsepower, <laughs> more like three thousand horsepower. Drive five thousand. <laughs> I thought the horsepower. Uh, I think you said is this a Formula One race car? Like no, what? I mean, what so <laughs> there is no there's no car that burns that burns gasoline that's even close to two thousand horsepower. Like funny cars that <laughs> with like fucking jet fuel. Okay, they're more than five thousand horsepower. But literally, literally, that's it. Like so ridiculous, so ridiculous. I'm just uh, yeah, like you, I mean. Put like a freaking yacht engine in, <laughs> in a car, maybe. Get a conventional, uh, like twin. I mean, the the freaking Veyron, like twin V. Put a twin V twelve with dual turbo or something in there. It still you're not going to get a five thousand horsepower car. I just so why even say, say that? Why, why say even it, yeah. put that number out of the out don't, there? Don't need to say it. It's so fucking stupid. It's so stupid. Don't need to say it. No, I I mean, like, I don't, like, I know more than nothing about cars, but I don't really know anything about cars. Right. I know a lot. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. I know that that doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> I, I know probably less than you do, and I know that didn't make any sense. Who who are you appealing to with that line of dialogue? I, I don't know. Like, 14-year-old you, you have kid, a, a 5,000 horsepower car, <laughs> and you, you burn out in first gear when you look at the gas pedal. <laughs> Not to mention the so- like the size of the transmission, you know. Yeah, I mean, right. that would be required. Uh, just I don't whatever. There, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things in the movie though that unfortunately that don't make sense, and it's like I kind of think that you know, I, obviously it's like, oh well, I don't care. Like if you're going to see this movie, you you just don't care. But unfortunately, and I wouldn't care either. Like it's stupid movie. Like whatever. But it's just. When, when when Vin Diesel or Charlie Theron or Michelle Rodriguez is on screen, it's so dull that it makes the movie drag. Like, that New York scene, like I said, I, that is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I thought it was really cool the way they did the cars and the, the hacking of the cars and driving them off of buildings. And it was something I've never seen before. Yeah. 
And it was so, so it was something that was somewhat unique. And then you immediately cut to Vin Diesel after he gets the codes, and he's like, I did what you asked, I let my son go. And it's like, God, this is, we're back to this. I don't, can this movie just be over? Like, that's what I was like, all right, no, nah, I don't care about the plot. I'm going to get a bathroom right now because I don't care about this next five minutes of them talking. Yeah. The, the other thing is the movie just goes on way too long, and they just, yeah. they're, they they don't need to be, you don't need to inject cars into this scene in the, at this Russian military facility. Like, it's so it, ridiculous. It, it becomes just this unnecessary chase scene. It, it's like... It's like they're Power Rangers and they're Zords or something. Like they yeah. have to be in a car to no, have right. their superpower. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Even the New York scene, like, what's accomplished by having a bunch of assholes chase this other asshole in, in a, a car, car? Yeah, I agree. What? Bring in a fucking helicopter. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not some spikes. Yeah, instead of chasing them with like five million dollars in high end. And trying to, super cars. And, and trying to shoot him with... Like, seriously, why wouldn't you just turn on spikes? I don't... Yeah. Yeah, or you, ha- you have his... Uh, I mean, I guess he... But that's the other thing is, literally, he... They wreck his car. Yeah, like, that's true. And he just gets out and runs like runs, runs away, away. Just yeah. on foot, you know, with... Runs down the alley. entire state yeah. of New York chasing... They, like, they show police officers, like, closing in... And he shoots a guy and then ducks down an alley and he's yeah. just at, you know, whatever. How about the the poor Russians that are just killed in this movie? Well, they're they're terrorists, so we don't feel bad for them. Wait, the Russians are terrorists? Yeah. That are protecting the, the submarine? Yeah, the, that facility was taken over by Russian separatist terrorists I that part. two weeks before. Conveniently. Uh, okay. I so missed we that. don't have to they're not loyal okay. Russian soldiers. They're terrorists, I, I so we was, can kill them with impunity. I think I was using the restroom at that point. I yeah. That part. Well, at least yeah. they clarified that, because I'm like, these dudes are just getting murked left and right for no reason at all. Yeah, I feel like dry dock facilities for a nuclear submarine are not just outdoors, you know, yeah, where the satellites can just look, see them. Drop a bomb on them. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you have you have your, uh, your nuclear sub... Whatever kind of sub, but the sub has a has nuclear payloads, and you you leave it just in the sub, armed, you know, yeah. with munitions in the sub in dry dock. That uh, doesn't seem. Whatever. I just I'm gonna guess it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> Call me crazy. It doesn't seem like the smartest way to run a nuclear sub mm-hmm. operation. And yeah, and and the fact that uh, somehow. Hackers have this exploit to allow them to gain full autonomy. Like you can, you can, <laughs> like you can steal a submarine with your computer and pilot it with your computer with no crew on board. That that was also that was also fun for me. Uh, but that that's not even the stuff that bothers no, me. Like, right. I'm willing to do suspension of disbelief. Yeah. I will watch The Rock skate from a moving car on ice and manually shift a torpedo. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, right. It's just, it's the other parts of the movie that ruin that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Just, yeah. just make it consistently 
fucking gonzo. Just batshit, balls out, insane, crazy, all the time. And don't, don't make it serious, you know, just... Leave the babies at home. Don't... Find another way. Find another way, that's all I'm going to say. Um, you want to wrap this up and talk about next week? Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, free Fire? Yeah, the plan is Free Fire, although Adam was non, nonplussed about Free Fire. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, it has not... Uh, it didn't seem like it got great reviews necessarily. 68% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So. Um, says, uh, says it's decent. I was, I was thinking maybe this is one of those films that is not for everyone. And sure. we would enjoy it, but not, not necessarily. Uh, critics might not enjoy it. Something like that. Uh, so we'll, we'll just have to see, but th- I think that's the plan. I mean, I think Ben Wheatley is a talented director. I'm not sure if he knows where he wants to go with his career, but this seemed like the type of movie that would be right up his alley. Um, if you're, so, for those not familiar, uh, Ben Wheatley directed Kill List, which was a huge hit on Netflix. When it was released, it's a uh, kind of a horror movie-ish. Um, and that was 2011, Sightseer, Sightseers, I never saw. But that is one of his most uh, critically acclaimed films. Yeah. It's a cool classic. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then um, High Rise came out last year, which got mixed reviews. Yeah. Um, and then now Free Fire. Free Fire. So that's what we're going to review next week. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. The, I mean, look, it's not often we get to see Charlotte, Charlotte Copley in the film. so, so. Good. He's fun. He's a lot of fun. He's, he is. He's a lot yeah. of fun. More, more, more Copley. More, yeah. more, more Copley, please. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say. Is no, there? you made it this far. You should send us an email. Midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. Uh, corporate sponsors. Email us. <laughs> let us let us know. We'll, we'll alienate our fan base. Just, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I think that's going to do it for Midnight Film Review, episode 78. All right, we'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.